Welcome to the Confidence Lounge podcast, where we cover all things confidence in life and business. I'm your host, Elise Conroy, and I'm on a passionate mission to help thousands of women across the world feel more confident from the inside out, because not on my watch am I ever going to watch another woman do insecure life and business again. So if you're ready to become your most confident self, mama, or businesswoman, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. So grab your favorite beverage, get nice and comfy, and get ready to receive today's confidence injection. Welcome to day seven of Healing Week. So we've made it. It's our final day together of doing this beautiful work on you to heal the pain and whatever it is that has been holding you back in your life. So I am so excited to bring this beautiful tender week to a close by talking about healing from loss. So I know this week has been tough. I know we have shined the light in places where we typically turn into track stars and run in the other direction. And that is why I saved today for last because I find that most of us are really terrible (laughs) when it comes to dealing with loss. It is something we, you know, stress about before it happens. We catastrophize it. We just feel so much grief before the process happens. We feel so much fear. And then when it actually does happen, then we fear, you know, letting go of the person. And then we feel so guilty about starting to live our lives again. Or then all of a sudden, we are holding on to our life at all dear cost because we're so terrified that something terrible is going to happen. So we, a lot of us lose a part of ourselves when we go through the experience of loss. And I want to help you bring that self, bring that part of yourself back to life and really help you process the pain of what happens on the other side of losing somebody that you love the most. Because some of us do the work to recover and heal And for some of us, we never recover from the losses we face. We hide from the loss and we stuff it down so deep in an attempt to try to bury the pain. But as you've learned throughout our seven days together, that pain is always going to find you. No matter how deep you bury it, no matter how far you stuff it, no matter how deep the closet is that you stuff it into, your pain will always find you. So this is why healing from loss is some of the most valuable work that you can ever do on yourself. Because when you are willing to heal and when you are willing to learn how to lose and then still love on the other side of it, and when you are willing to lose everything and still know that you're going to be okay on the the other side of it. That is when you become free. And that is when no person will ever have power over you. No possession will ever have power over you. The thought of death will not have power over you. That is when you reach this beautiful place of acceptance that it's just inevitable. We're all going to go through this because we all lose things. We all lose people. And for so many of us, life stops when we lose. When we go through that loss, we just are so utterly devastated. We have this void inside of us. It takes us years to feel like we are any you know, way, shape, or form ourselves again. So the thing is that no loss of a person, a place, or a thing, a job can ever take anything away from you unless you give it the power to. So of course, will losing people that you love the most, will losing an, a job that you love the most, will losing an experience that you love the most hurt? Yeah. Yeah, but this is the part of the human experience that we all face because the truth is the day that we are born, we begin dying. And the one thing that every single human on this earth has in common is that we are all going to die. So death is everywhere, everywhere you look on the news, on social media, you know, but what happens when you turn on the news and all of a sudden it's about somebody that you love? Have you ever dealt with that? I have but I, help, I I dealt with the pain. You know, I've lost childhood friends to addiction. I have had close friends from my childhood that were murdered. I have, you know, watched cancer ravage my family as we talked about yesterday. But I have done the deep work on healing myself to ensure that no matter what loss I face in my life, that I don't know how I'm going to be okay, but I know I'm going to be okay because I have the tools to help myself. And I want to offer you those same tools today to help you heal from loss, to help you manage grief, and also most importantly, just to let you know that you're not alone because every single one of us is going to face this. And I think that we need to learn how to face this with courage and with confidence. And that is what I want to teach you how to do. So a couple things that I need you to know about loss is that every single person processes death 
differently. So it is very, very important to understand that the way that you perceive the loss, and let's say we're talking about your parent, you might perceive that loss one way, your sister's going to perceive it different, your brother's going to perceive it different, your friend's going to perceive it different. Not one person is ever going to experience loss in the same exact way. So some people die the day that we lose that person. Others spill all of their feelings onto social media and they talk about it all the time. Some people move on with their life as if the death never happened because the thought of thinking of that loss is too painful. And what I need you to know is there is no right or wrong way to process. And where I see a lot of people create pain for themselves is they say, well, I wouldn't have handled that differently. Well, she's doing that because I never would have done that. We can't do that because nobody's ever going to handle it in the way that you were going to handle it. So we can't be righteous in this moment and start, you know, shaming people or judging people for how they're handling it because they're going to handle it in their own way. It is our job to lead with empathy and compassion and to just be supportive and to listen with an open mind. So that way people have a safe space to process their experience. The other part of what I need you to know about processing loss is it's okay not to be okay. So I find a lot of the people that I have worked with feel guilty for laughing or finding joy in life when they are grieving. And they feel like if they move on with their life, then that is their way of forgetting about the person that they lost. And that's not how it works. You're still a human. You're still going to have a life on the other side of whoever it is who you have lost. And I encourage you to lean into those spaces and call in laughter and call in joy, even in the moments where you're grieving, because those grief waves are heavy. And the thing that will help you process the grief waves is having joy in your life and having love surrounding you and having things on your calendar that you look forward to. So that way you're not just sitting in it and spinning out and letting the grief consume you because it it will if you allow it to. And there's going to be a point where it will consume you, but there's going to be a, a, a point in your life where you have the decision to start consciously healing. And that is your responsibility because you can choose to stay in it forever. You can choose to never turn the page and just stay in that loss and let that part of you die the day that somebody else died. Or you can still choose to live your best life, to cherish the memories that you have with the person that you loved, to bring their memories into every single holiday, every single conversation. You know, I so my dad has done something that I've always loved. And this is something that I will do when my parents depart from this earth. And every single time we, my dad and I go to do something and or something cool is happening in my life, or I have like a professional success that he's really proud of, or when we've gone on trips together, he looks up in the sky and he goes, mom and dad, do you see this? And I just love that because to me, that's his way of, you know, bringing his parents into this process and trusting that they're angels above that are still a part of our life. And I've had clients who have gone through the experience of losing moms and on their wedding day. We worked consciously to make sure that their mama was a part of that day, that we had things that they did to call in the presence of their mom, that they were acknowledged on that day. And was it painful? Was it tender? Did we cry together? Yeah. But was it absolutely amazing that they were able to honor their loved one's memory in some of the biggest moments of their life when they weren't here or side to be there for it? Yeah. So... I get that it's hard. I know, you know, like I said, I've been to more funerals than I have weddings. I have just watched devastation happen like an atomic bomb in terms of what's happened with death in my family and, you know, even watching friends die. It's never easy and nobody can ever prepare you for that moment. No amount of work that you can do can ever truly prepare you for that moment. But what you can do is arm yourself with tools to make that moment 1% easier when it does come. And that is why we are here doing this work today. So what I want to do next is bring on one of my most beloved clients. Her name is Jenny. And we actually connected in a mutual Facebook community that we are a part of. And she had put a post up saying, has anybody been through this? I'm trying to run my business. I'm an entrepreneur. And my dad is going through fighting for his life with, you know, disease and I'm struggling to show up in my business. Can anybody, you know, understand where I'm at? Do you have any support that you can offer me? Like something along the lines of that. And I just saw this post instantly and I was like, I see you. And I sent her a message on Facebook and I was like, hey, I saw your post in this group. I'm currently going through the same thing. If you want to jump on a virtual coffee date just to connect, like I'd be happy to share what I've learned about how to navigate this and just, you know, offer you any support because I'm going through the same thing right now too. And so... 
we had the most beautiful conversation. And I can't imagine that was easy for her to jump on a call with a complete stranger and all of a sudden just start talking about how her dad was so sick. But I think that this is such a powerful thing and why we do such deep healing in, you know, in community is because we are seen by people who are going through the same exact thing that we are going through. So you feel very understood. You feel very safe to share your truth, even if it's with a stranger, because you know that that person, even if you never talked to them before, you know that that person is going to understand you. So we had talked for over an hour. It was such a beautiful conversation. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in love with her. She is so cool. Like I want to be your friend. I want to be there to support her to, you know, navigate this experience. And then a few days later, she had actually reached out to me and our conversation, you know, had left such an impression on her. She wanted to hire me professionally to support her going through the loss of her dad. And we worked together for a few months and we basically, this is going to sound crazy, but we made a plan to prepare for his death. And he did pass while we were working together. And it was such an honor I'm going to (laughs) cry to support her through this moment because this was one of the hardest moments she's ever faced. And to be able to send that love to her and help walk her through this journey and help, you know, create such a sacred safe space to grieve and to extend her those tools and those lifelines to help her navigate this was it just beyond an honor. And it was some of the most beautiful work that I've ever done as a coach. It was one of the most powerful, you know, experiences that I've had as a coach to be able to lead through, lead somebody through such a, you know, traumatic and transformational moment of their life. And I've watched who she's become on the other side of this, and I am so blown away with the woman that she has become, how gracefully she has navigated one of the most challenging seasons of her life, and that is why I had to bring her on and introduce you to her. And the interesting thing that I find is, so she is also a coach, and for a lot of people, they're like, isn't this what you do for a living? Shouldn't you be so good at all of this? And I want to remind you that we're humans before we're coaches. Coaches is the job title that we wear, but we are human beings before we do this work. So just like a surgeon is never going to perform surgery on on themselves, just like a hairstylist is most likely never going to cut their own hair, a coach is going to seek out another coach to support them through this journey. And I've had people say like, oh, you work with so many coaches, shouldn't they be able to coach themselves through it? hey, guess what? We're still a human with a human brain and we have to seek out support to help us process our experience and, you know, sink into our humanness and help, you know, have somebody as a sounding board to see our thoughts and experience our our mind and what's going on with our mindset. So I just want to call that out because for a lot of people, they're like, oh, well, you already have all the tools. Shouldn't this be easy for you? And I'm like, I'm still a human before I'm a coach, just like Jenny is still a human before she's a coach. So while we are, you know, experts at helping people through this, we are also human beings that have feelings too. Just newsflash, didn't know if you knew that. (laughs) So I'm going to be bringing Jenny on and we are going to have a beautiful conversation about how she navigated this season of her life, how she was able to still show up in business and how she has really learned how to navigate grief and navigate grieving and still be present in her life. So without further ado, here is Jenny. Welcome to the Confidence Lounge, my dear friend, Jenny. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I am so, so honored for you to be here. And I'm so, just as I was saying right before we hit record, I am so grateful that you are brave enough to share the story because I know what we are about to talk about is not an easy subject for so many. This is the things that most of us hide from, but I think you are the epitome of a woman who has navigated grief with such grace, which is why I wanted to bring you on and have you share. I know there's probably going to be a lot of tears y'all in this conversation. (laughs) Warning you in advance, have your tissues ready. (laughs) But I you, you are the epitome of still, you know, doing the work. And that is why I wanted to bring you on to share how you navigated this season of your life, because it was so inspiring to watch you go through this. And I'm still just blown away by everything that you did. So let's just open this up. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us what you do. And then we can we can start talking about loss. Okay, awesome. So I'm Jenny. Um, I'm a life and mindset coach for women business owners who want to heal stop sabotaging in their lives and receive the abundance that's available to them in life and business. Um, and as you talked about, I've been through a lot of grief. Um, uh, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in, um, I think it was March of 2021 and he ended up passing away in August of 2021. And then not only that, so I was going through like 
the the awareness that I was going to lose him through that whole summer of 2021. And then he did pass away. And then um, in January of 2022, my sister and my three nephews moved out of state. So not only did I lose my dad, but within a few months, I really lost my whole whole family in a sense. Like my whole sense of nuclear family just kind of eroded right away. And here come the tears or so, right? <laughs> this may be a very weepy <laughs> podcast interview. Um, but uh, yeah, so like this kind of awareness that like this, my sense of family, this nuclear family is kind of eroding. It kind of sent me into this whole, uh, you know, having to deal with grief, but then also having to kind of reconcile like, you know, who I am, who am I and what does my life going to look like going forward? Right. So, um, and then also in, uh, October of last year, I ended up going through a breakup after a three-year relationship. So it's been, grief has become a very familiar thing to me and for better or for worse, you know, it's super painful, but you also grow in ways and heal in ways that you never thought that you would beforehand. So it's a little bit of my journey. Yeah. And I think that it's so, it's so powerful when we go through these types of situations where life is literally just handing us every single curveball. It's like, it's tearing every part of our world down. And then we're just left standing here. Like what's going on? <laughs> you know, we're just, as I, I had mentioned in the previous part of this, where to me, grief feels like you're being dragged underneath the wave in the ocean. And when you're sitting in that place and you're just spinning out in it, it is so hard because the grief waves just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And I know for you, it was just one <laughs> after the next, after the next, but you kept standing up and you kept getting back, you know, getting back up and just picking yourself back up. And I know obviously the days were so hard, but you're still here. So let's talk a little bit about the specific things that you did, because I think this is for a lot of people who are navigating seasons of grief and loss. It's like, they don't even know where to start. So what are the specific things that you did for yourself to help you heal the grief associated with all of this loss? Okay. So I'm going to get to that in just a second. I want to address something you just said, which yeah. is the feeling of the, the waves just crashing over you in the ocean. You know, I think that feeling is such really a, a feeling of a loss of control and I have to say that is something I had to really reconcile and learn to be okay with through this process is like, I grief will come and hit you out of the blue when you least expect it. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I had all these plans and now grief hit me today. And now I'm in bed crying and watching home movies from yeah. my childhood all day. Like sometimes it's like, there is such a, um, surrender and also a frustration with that lack of control that comes with grief. And I think that's huge. And I, and kind of coming back to where we are now, I think that paying attention to learning the things that you can do to help yourself through that process is like the one way that you can sort of get a little bit of that control back, like learning how to heal and work through that stuff. So, um, okay. So to answer your question, first of all, I hired a coach, which was you <laughs> <laughs> to help me through that process. And, um, and I can't thank you enough. Like I was so grateful for you through that process because you have been through even more grief, grief than I have. And um, man, having you help me navigate through what to expect. And, oh, I mean, I just think back to, I think back to our calls and there were so many times where I was just sobbing on our calls. Like, I mean, you, you were with me the whole way through, you know, letting go of my dad through that summer and that time that I visited him to say goodbye. I mean, Whew, you were there through all the really the hardest times. So having someone to talk to and to who knows grief, who's familiar with it and can help you to recognize the patterns and like know that it's normal and it's okay. And everything you're going through is very normal because if you've never been through a major loss before, and I mean like a major loss, like not, you know, there, there are different levels of grief that comes with things. And if you've never been through a major loss, you really have no idea what to expect or how ugly it can get sometimes until you go through it. And so having somebody there to tell you like, this is normal, like everything you're experiencing is like typical or okay. Like it, that's so important. So and yeah, so hiring a coach was a big thing. Um, later on, I ended up also getting a, a counselor, a grief counselor to help me as well. Um, just to add a little bit more of that, like clinical understanding as well as like kind of a little bit more of the family trauma element that was coming in. Um, and then last, like I coached myself through it too. I am, my coaching technique and my coaching style is very trauma informed and very like healing. It's very, very healing. And so, um, that was huge because the thing that I learned really from working through my grief is that 
grief pulls up all of your trauma. Like it is like, it is like your brain almost goes, okay, this person is leaving. So now we have to reckon, we have to like almost get closure for all the things associated with them, like in the file of this person in my brain. And so we have to heal all the trauma connected with them in order to move on and heal. And so my goodness, that was the, probably the most surprising thing about grief is that it, it was pulling up all my trauma. Like for me, you know, my dad, my parents got divorced when I was uh, 16. My dad moved out when I was 15 and I didn't realize how much unhealed trauma I'd had from him moving out that first loss of him, right. The first loss of my nuclear family when I was 15 and, and it like pulled all of that up. And so I had to go through and heal all of this loss that I was going through when I was 15 years old. I didn't even know I was going through because at the time I was just lost in all of the you know, family drama and teen cloudiness yeah. and all of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, like I did a lot of self-coaching and a lot of journaling. Like I sat down and journaled a lot, you know, about what was coming up for me and what, how it was connecting back, like the feelings that were coming up from my teen years and my childhood and how it was connecting to this current loss. And then I would work myself through that. Um, so that's a huge exercise like takeaway anybody can do is just to sit down and really process either either written journaling or video or audio journaling um just processing out loud like how what trauma is coming up for you the grief that's connecting from your childhood is is so huge to deal with um uh let's see here so also another thing that I did and you you taught me this and I'm so grateful for this is you know, as humans, we tend to want to avoid pain, of course, right? And so I, and especially I noticed in myself that I would want to just avoid my grief. Like I would just shut down for like days and days or weeks even. And then I would have like an explosion, like <laughs> an episode, right? And it would get, it would get so catastrophic by the time it came out that I was like, okay, well, I have to get on top of this, right? And so I started literally having intentional grieving times, like yeah. forced grieving, if you will, because you have to do that. If you have a tendency of avoiding, like that is so important. Um, and so I would literally sit down if I hadn't grieved for maybe like a few days, if I hadn't had a good cry for a few days, I would sit down with, uh, like some family photos, just anything that really brought up emotion for me. And then I would just like make my, I would literally look at them until I, I was sobbing yeah. <laughs> and I would just like, use that as sort of a trigger to pull my grief up until I let it out. And then I would feel better. Like it was very cathartic and I would feel better for a few days. And I would be able to tell when it started building again. And then I would kind of do it all over again. I think that is so huge. And what we talked about so much in our coaching sessions were these intentional, that is the key word that I want to go back to, intentional feeling sessions. Because for so many of us, when we're going through grief or we're going through loss, we lock it away, we stuff it down as far as it can possibly go. We pray that we'll never see, you know, it'll, it'll never see the light of day again. And then all of a sudden, here we go, we're shopping at the store and here comes a song on the radio that reminds you, this happened with one of my clients that reminded her of her mom who had passed and now she's laying on the floor in the middle of the store, just completely losing it. So if you have those spaces where you can schedule intentional feeling, I think it is so such a gift to your future self because what you're doing is you're not empowering yourself to become a pressure cooker of unprocessed emotion that's going to explode and just completely be like an atomic bomb that destro destroys everything around you. And I think for so many of us, we're terrified to actually feel the grief, right? So that's why we try to stuff it or we numb or do whatever we can to try to escape it. But this is an area where I saw you just, just level 10 courage cap on going for it and you were so brave to feel these scary feelings and I just was so blown away by your willingness to actually intentionally feel because for so many of us we're like nope I'm not doing that nope I don't want to do that and I think for a lot of us where we get stuck in life is there's a feeling we don't want to feel and then that holds us back from doing whether it's showing up in business whether it's healing from loss whatever it might be it's because there's a feeling that we don't want to feel. So you were the master of that. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. I had that in my notes to talk about too, because if you, if you're not intentionally feeling it, you're never going to be able to heal it. It's so true. And it really becomes corrosive to yeah. yourself and to the people around you in your relationships. Like I would notice that anytime that I was avoiding my grief, I would start to get very explosive and angry and just overly sensitive with my partner. And it was just, 
I, that's what really kept me, really kept me focused on being intentional with my grief because I didn't want, I didn't want it to be one of those situations where it destroyed my relationships, right. Or even my business or anything like that. And so, yeah, I completely, totally agree with you. Yeah. I'm definitely, I'm not perfect. There was def I definitely had my moments. I remember one time I was watching Ryan, the last dragon with, with, uh, with my nephews and the thing at the end where she gets reconciled with her dad, I literally broke down sobbing and had to run out of the, her room. But that's humanness, right? We, we can't escape that part of being humans. And I want to touch on something you said, because this is the normal part of the human experience. And for those of us who carry our hurts, hurt people, hurt people. So you're going to project mm -hmm. that pain onto other people as a form of coping. And we don't ever want you in a situation where you are using that as your coping mechanism. And this is where Jenny was so brave to actually sit in the feelings. And so she didn't, you know, continuously project it. So it didn't come like a gremlin in all of her relationships that was stopping her from being, you know, a hundred percent, the person that she wanted to be in those relationships. Like that to me is so huge. And that's where a lot of us really struggle. So let's, let's talk about about that moment where you're you're watching the movie with your nephews and you're you, you know you're not okay you know you just lost it like how in those moments did you give yourself permission to not be okay I let myself cry and yes. and they knew like they were very aware of what happened obviously it's my nephews um and like me and my sister have done a really good job of talking them through kind of what we were going through and the the grown-up feelings you know they didn't they didn't have as close of a relationship with him because we lived so far away so it wasn't as traumatic for them and they could be okay with it. But, um, you know, we would just talk them through like what grief looked like and how that was affecting us on a daily basis and, um, kind of what to expect so that they could be supportive of us, but also not be freaked out by our emotions and just kind of understand like, it's okay to cry and it's okay that we're feeling these things and we're going to be okay. But right now it's hard in this moment. Right. So I think that's huge, you know, to model for children that it's okay to have big emotions and, um, I think so, there have been so much of a culture of like almost parents have to be like this constant rock and almost be stoic around their children. And um, I think it's really important to model like the humanity and just reality of life for kids. And I think there's a really beautiful way you can do that in um, talking them through like, I'm going to be okay. Like, you know, I'm not falling apart. Like I'm still going to be here for you, but I'm just having a hard time today or in this moment. And, um, I think that gives permission, kids permission to be able to do the same thing for themselves later in life. I love that. That is such a good point. And I think for so many of us, especially as women, we feel like we need to be the strong one. I'm doing air quotes right now because, and being <laughs> the strong one means you're not able to cry. And if you're crying, then you're a weak woman. And that is not the case. The crying to me, your tears, that is your pain speaking to you. Those tears are healing medicine. So if you can take away anything from this podcast, use this as a permission slip to allow your tears to empower you to heal because they're coming up for a reason. That is your pain bubbling up to the the surface saying, Hey, I want you to feel me. I want you to experience me. I want you to process me. So that way you don't have to bear the weight of this pain for the rest of your life and do that in a space. And in a way, like what Jenny said, where you're using that as a learning opportunity for everybody around you, even men. I know Mr. Soul Makeup sees me fall apart on a daily basis because I cry over everything all the time. <laughs> And so it's like, oh, she's going to go up to her, to her she cave. She's going to cry for a couple hours. Yes, because that's how I choose to feel and process my emotions. So we can be the most powerful role models and representations of what's possible to show our beautiful children, to show the people around us that it is safe to not be the rock all the time. Because being the rock can actually be the person that feels. That can actually be the rock. And people are like, wait, what? I'm like, yes, feeling can be strong, right? Because it takes courage to feel these hard emotions mm -hmm. it's so true um this actually brings me to something that i came up with if you mind if we jump ahead to the next question yeah, go ahead go ahead you'd ask me, so the question you'd ask me is how how did you give yourself permission to be okay not being okay yeah. and that kind of weaves into something that i wrote down is um i really first of all i did a lot of research like you taught me a lot about grief and then i also did a lot of research about grief and what that typically looks like how it shows up for people, what the symptoms of grief are. There's a lot of things I didn't know, like, like the fog, the grief fog that you can have, right? Like it literally makes you like almost incapable of processing things. Like you, you get forgetful and you can get confused and just all that kind of stuff. So things like that. And, um, kind of similar of what I did with my nephews is I would like 
proactively communicate with the people in my life about where I was at on a daily basis, right? Yes. It reminds me of like, when you go to the beach, they have the flags, like telling you each day, yeah. like red flag, don't get in the water, like green flag, it's okay, right? Yeah. Like I, I almost would do the same thing with the people in my life where it was like, okay, I would kind of teach them the things that I had learned about grief. I would educate them if they had never been through grief before, um, what I was learning. And then I would kind of explain, okay, this is what I'm going through right now. Like, this is the grief fog. Like, I didn't remember this thing that was important to you because of that. Or, um, you know, today I don't have much capacity. Like I'm, I'm really having a heavy grief day. Like I'm, I'm physically exhausted. Um, and I can't, you know, help you with this or that, or I, maybe, maybe that I would use that to ask for support. Like I need more help today, or I need to be held today. Like, I would really um, communicate like I, so first of all, educating myself so that I could be okay with it. Right. And not be beating myself up, but then also um, educating the people around me and using that to ask for help from them when I needed it. So just really a lot of communication. I love uh, that. Yeah. And yeah. I think something we did too in our work together that is really powerful. And this was something you had to have communication about too, because you knew going into it, like when you had taken that trip home, it's so let me back up really quick. So when we were doing our work together, we were talking about what needed to happen to grieve ahead of time. And for a lot of people, that's a counterintuitive process, right? Because the thing is, with your dad, we knew the loss was going to be imminent. And just in the same way where my parents, you know, they're both fighting stage four cancer, it's metastasized, the loss is going to be imminent. So one of the things that Jenny and I had really worked through on a very deep intentional level was how to grieve ahead of time. And when you're going through that process, that entails asking all the questions that you need to ask. It is thinking about whatever needs to be said, making sure that that is intentional. It's asking yourself questions like if this was the last time that I ever saw them, would that be, would I be okay with that? It's very, you know, it's very counterintuitive because usually we don't want to talk about the hard stuff. We want to just, you know, make it nice and peaceful and all sunshine and roses while the person is passing. But what ends up happening on the other side of it is you still have a million questions that need to be answered. You're beating yourself up for not having these conversations and things can be very messy. So we got very intentional about doing that work ahead of time. And I know some of the conversations that you had, you then had to talk to your partner and it's like, hey, <laughs> we had a very heavy conversation day. <laughs> this, I asked a lot of questions that brought up a lot. In me. And I think it's so good to let everybody in your life know this is where you're at at that moment so they can best support you. Oh man, absolutely. You know, I'm glad you reminded me of that because I forgot about that. I, you know, I was so intentional, especially on that last trip to say goodbye to my dad, um, in July of that year, like I was able to lean into creating space for so many of those conversations and like initiating a lot of them. And man, I can just think back to so many beautiful moments and conversations where so many things that had been left unsaid through my entire life were finally said, like good and bad. Like a lot of it was so beautiful and healing, but also all of us getting to like almost air out the way that we had felt in situations and nobody knew, like, and honestly, I walked away from it going, why in the hell didn't we say this stuff sooner? I think if there's one thing I learned from that, it's like, have these conversations way before you get to a point of losing someone, like have open conversations about past, you know, drama or things that happened in the family or, you know, big, whatever, whatever the situation is for you, like have those conversations instead of just sort of assuming, you know, how people feel or, or just burying it. Like, it's shocking to me how much healing and how much revelation really came from having those conversations and getting to hear my dad out about a lot of the things that he was going through, through my parents' divorce and all of that kind of stuff. So through, you know, just through my growing up and moving away and all of those things. So man, I, I feel like that was like the biggest gift I've ever given myself was making space for those conversations and, and creating space for them and making room for them because I, those, I cherish those forever. Like, man, those things I can, you can just never get the opportunity for them back. Yeah. And I think that this is the beautiful gift that you can give yourself when you create closure, because when you're creating, like people wait for closure to come. No, closure is created and it's created with intention and it's created with love. And that's what you did for yourself. And I remember you had come back from that trip and you were telling me about how you all sat and looked at pictures and had just, you know, so many memories and bringing that joy into the conversations and reliving that. And you felt there was a sense of peace that had come along with having that experience, but that was intentional. And for a lot of people, they don't have the 
awareness. They don't realize that that's something they need to do. And then after the person passes, they just wait for the closure to come but that's not how it works. So I want everybody listening to get ahead of that. So if you know somebody that you love is going to pass, it's on you. It is your responsibility to create that closure and that peace for yourself. That's not something that, you know, I don't want you being in a space where a year after they pass, you're still just waiting for that door to close where it feels like a clean break. No, get ahead of that. Do the work that Jenny did. Do the work that I'm doing with my parents now and give that gift to yourself. Absolutely. And you know, it's really interesting too, because in a lot of those moments, I think my dad got a lot of healing. And I think that he, he took that with him. Like he got to hear things. I was shocked at some of the things he said that he needed to hear from me that I just thought he understood. And it's like, wow. Like, I think he, at one point we were looking through family pictures of when I was a, you know, a toddler and a kid. And he said out loud, he's like, wow, I was a really good dad. And it's like, how did you not know that? Like, the fact that he needed to see that and take that with him, like, oh my gosh, I, you know, yeah, just no matter what you believe about afterlife, like you, that has to have gone with him. You know what I mean? So it, it's just, it was so healing for everyone involved. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned a couple things that you did to help yourself in terms of self-care. So you mentioned journaling. What other self-care things or modalities did you really lean into that you had in your toolbox to help yourself through this moment? Okay. So um, number one, and I kind of touched on this a little bit, but I want to go into it a little bit more. I really reminded myself that there isn't one right way or one normal way to grieve. Like, yes, yes there are. Yeah. Like, yes, there are some typical things that you'll see, right? Like some depression symptoms or things like that. Right. But also like, it's going to look different for each person based on your trauma responses and your coping mechanisms too. So like, I'll just, I gave myself a lot of grace to just be wherever I was on any given day and to not beat myself up. And I really had to work on that because it's, our brains are always going to want to be hard on ourselves. And it's like, when you're going through grief, it's almost like it feels like it shouldn't be happening. Like your brain wants to be like, I should be able to get up and do my normal work. I should be able to get up and do blah, 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 whatever you're going to want, whatever you plan for that day. And so for me, like giving myself a lot of grace and permission, like literally talking myself through whatever you're experiencing today is normal for you and it's okay. And for example, with my trauma responses, like a lot of I will want to shut down, but I've watched other people go through grief and they will like get almost like, um, hyperproductive and want to do everything. Right. And sometimes I flip-flopped between those two. Right. And so it's like in any given moment, whatever I'm, whatever I'm gravitating towards is okay. It's healthy. I can still use tools to work myself through it if I need to, but like giving myself a lot of grace for where I'm at. Um, and also a big thing too, is that So for me, whenever I have like a really heavy grief cry or grief day, I am physically exhausted and mentally done after that. I mean, like I cannot function. And so, um, you know, it's like, we need to intentionally grieve, but at the same time, this is where we can almost like use it against ourselves. And that if we try to do that all the time, we will literally fall apart. Like it will eat you up. Like you'll just, you'll be like a blob unable to function in your life. Right. And so Um, I, there have been times too, within balance where I gave myself permission to just not grieve for a couple days or a week and just like enjoy my life and like almost recharge and recuperate from all of that grieving because it, it really can get so heavy that you just feel like you can't even function like a normal person anymore. And then you don't want to suck all the joy out of life. Right. So that kind of rolls into one of the things that I did is I tried through, especially through like the early stages of my grief, like, you know, when it's more fresh and acute, um, I tried to always plan something fun in my days. Like it's something to look forward to something that was exciting and fun and just brought me joy or pleasure in some way. So something as big as like having a vacation planned to something as small as like spending time going to the lake with my loved ones, right? Like, or just literally anything that brought me joy and pleasure. Like I tried to weave that stuff in very intentionally into my days. Um, because again, like the grief is so heavy and the depression can get so heavy that if you don't find ways to do that, it it just, that's all life is. And, And you don't want that 
happen because it can be a, a slippery slope from that point on. I have a question on that for you. What would you say to somebody? Because I find for a lot of people, they feel guilty living their best life or doing things that bring themselves joy because they're like, oh God, I should be feeling terrible. And notice the word should again. Anytime there's the word should, shame and judgment is brewing underneath. So we don't want to live in the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, right? So anytime somebody is in that space where they're like, oh, well, I shouldn't be having fun right now. I should be feeling bad. Or they, you know, I'm if I'm doing fun things, then I'm not going to remember the person who's passed. Like, what would you say to the person who might have thoughts like that? Oh, I definitely dealt with that too. I think that's survivor's remorse, right? Um, whew, that is so hard. And I definitely had to deal with that for quite a while. But the thing that I kept pulling myself back to is, and I know it sounds cheesy and like, <laughs> like a placation, but really I had to remind myself that my dad wouldn't want me suffering through life. Like, like, and it was in it was in enjoying life that I was remembering him and it was in enjoying life that I was connecting with him. And so a way that I would do that is I would often do things that would, that he would have enjoyed or that would make me feel connected to him. Like things that we used to do together. Um, what, so my dad always loved ice cream when I was a kid. Like we always had like the big Costco tubs of ice cream in our freezer. <laughs> you remember yep, they don't yep. come up anymore. I don't think, but um, but like, yeah, we always had those and like, we were always getting bowls of ice cream at night. And so for me, sometimes it would mean like going and getting an ice cream just to feel like that connection with my dad. Um, for me, like gardening is a really big way that I stay connected with my dad. Um, we were always doing yard work when I was a kid. Like it was one of my chores was to pull weeds uh -huh. <laughs> and he was always like landscaping and doing all kinds of stuff in the yard. And we were always out there with him. And so um, I always feel very connected with him doing stuff like that. So I love gardening and I enjoy it, but it also makes me feel connected to him. So it's almost like I'm living the experiences for him and he gets to live them vicariously through me still. Right. So and so, yeah. So that's a big way that I helped myself get past that, that block. Okay. So for everyone listening, I want you to write down whoever it is that you have lost or are potentially on the brink of losing, write their name down. And then afterwards say blank, their name wouldn't want me suffering through life. So if that guilt comes, I want you to hear Jenny's words in your in your mind and say that name over and just repeat that to yourself over and over again, because you don't deserve to suffer, right? It's like, like you said, the survivor's remorse. And when we're in survivor's remorse, it's like, we're feeling so guilty by being alive or, oh, why didn't this happen to me? Or having all of those type of thoughts, you don't want to continuously empower yourself to live in that state. That is so good. Okay. Yeah. Love that. Absolutely. Now, another question I have for you is there was a point in coaching where you had mentioned feeling a bit lost, right? And I think that's a normal thing that happens for so many of us as we are navigating grief. And the heaviness from the loss was so powerful that it was, there were moments where it was overtaking and it was really hard to pull yourself out of that. So in that period of really navigating that transition, feeling lost, the grief waves just hitting again and again and again, how did you find yourself again? Yeah. Okay. So a little bit of background on that. Um, so my dad, I grew up in California in Northern California. And, um, when I was in high school, my mom and sister and I moved to Oklahoma and my dad stayed in California in my hometown. And so when my dad got diagnosed, I didn't realize until then how he had always created this sense of home for me. And like this anchor, like, it was like, I always knew that my dad was in my hometown and it was like, I always felt like I, I had a place to go back to. And so I realized that it had actually kind of kept me from kind of almost building my own life and really settling where I wanted to be. Right. And so of course, when you're faced with someone dying, it kind of makes you look at your own life and like your own timeline, right? Like you don't have unlimited amounts of time. Like I do if I want certain things in my life, like I'm going to run out of time eventually too. So like, what do I want? And that really got me to look at the question, like, what do I really want for my life? Like, where do I want to be? Do I feel at home where I'm at now? Like, does this really feel like where I'm meant to be? Or have I almost been drawing that feeling of home from, from my dad, right? In California and then not really get, finding it for myself now, right? And so when I dug into that question, I realized that um, I really have never felt at home here. Like, I, I think it's, it's been a great place to live. Nothing against Oklahoma. It's a great place. Tulsa's fantastic, but, um, it's, it has never felt, it's always felt like a pit stop for me. It's never mm -hmm. felt like where I was meant to be. 
And um, I've always wanted to live somewhere tropical. I've always wanted to go back to the ocean. I don't necessarily want to go back to California. And so when I really started digging into that, I really realized like, I really got some clarity on where I want to be and and what, what my next move is going to be and what my next steps are going to be. Um, and also like, it kind of made me think too, because, because my sister and nephews had moved away, you know, just what's less than six months after he died. Um, it was like everything that was keeping me here was gone in a sense. I mean, my mom's still here, but she's eventually going to move too. So it's like, everything that was keeping me here was gone. And it's like, okay, well now like the whole world's my oyster, like everything is an option. So I can literally pick, I can design my life now in any way that I want. And it also kind of made me realize like how I had built my life around other people and not really designed the life that I wanted to have. Right. And so, um, and one thing I know about my dad is he's always, he was always the, the, the preacher of like, you know, follow your instincts, follow your heart like, you know, and so, uh, that's when I really sat with that question of like, what are the desires that I put on hold because I was revolving my life around other people? Oof. Ooh, yeah. that is a power question. Say that again. <laughs> so what are the desires that I put on hold because I was revolving my life around other people? Y'all journal that. Oh, that'll change <laughs> your life. If you answer that question from a place of intentionality and consciousness. Wow. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So now I have this really clarity for my future and, and a whole vision for the next few years and the moves I'm going to make and where I'm going to be that I never had. And honestly, it filled me with so much excitement for my future. Whereas it always just kind of felt like I was sort of just floating around. Like I felt like a tumbleweed, honestly, before. And now, even though it didn't pull me back to California, it like kind of gave me a sense of I'm going to anchor myself somewhere else. And, um, and that's so huge. So I think that Anytime that we have, you know, not been exploring that for ourselves, we do tend to wander around in life and getting that clarity is really important. Yes. And it was so wild. This actually just came up within the last week. So one of the things that I do for all of my clients is a guided visualization when we start working together to really help people understand where they want to be in life. And when I was looking through my notes, my all of my session notes from my time with Jenny, I'd actually come back to that visualization that we had done in her first session. And I remember specifically her saying, loss can be a turning point. And it was because it was in that visualization. It was like everything had come into clarity. And it's so surreal because now two years on the other side of us coaching together, when I looked at that visualization, I was like, oh my God. And I like grabbed my phone and sent her a voice note. And I was like, listen, this is everything that you're doing. Like it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. But it's because she got intentional about it. And I want to reiterate some of the things that you said, because yes, loss can be a turning point for all of us. It is forced change. And for so many of us, we live our lives. We're scared to make the change. We, you know, we're dragging our feet. We know that we want more out of life. We know that we want to do other things, but there's not really a reason to actually do it. So for a lot of us, when forced change happens, you know, it can be a turning point in your life. And I loved what you said about everything is an option. I can design my life the way that I want. And I remember you saying too, like where you had had a sense of loss, you had gained a whole new sense of wholeness and a whole new sense of purpose. And I want everybody listening to realize that that is exactly what can happen when you lean in to do the tools to heal from the grief, to, you know, process the loss. It happens, you get to decide what your life looks like on the other side of this. You're in the driver's seat of your whole entire experience of life. So don't give your power away and, and you know, continuously keep living in a space where you're living for everybody else. So powerful. Oh, I love that so much. And you made me think about how, you know, I've said this since the beginning, like grief is simultaneously the most painful thing that you go through, but also like the biggest gift. And I, and I think that is with the caveat. It is if you are willing to lean into it and heal through it, yes. because I've, I've had so many people tell me, you know, clients that I've worked with and stuff in the beginning, tell me that it's like, they feel like they're never going to recover. And it's just trapped them in this awful, like anxiety and depression and grief. And it's like, that can happen if you don't lean into healing. Yeah, that can happen. Absolutely. But if you're willing to lean into it and to learn how it's truly a learning process, it's a learned skill yeah. to learn how to grieve in a way that is productive and, and healthy. Um, and to learn how to do that reflection and grow through it, it really will become one of the biggest gifts you've ever gotten in your life. hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. And I just, I'm, it's almost like, I wish that I could have my dad and have all the growth that I got from grief, 
Right. Like I wish I could have both. But yeah. it's almost like if I don't get to have him, like it's almost like he left me the, the most amazing gift. Like, yeah. oh god (laughs) we cried so much together in our sessions y'all it was just one of those things because we're humans right we're having this human experience very powerful you know ending of chapter beginning of new chapter and it is so so beautiful to be able to do this work and I love that you say that navigating grief is a learned skill because think about it we're not going into school saying like oh here's how you handle grief here's your manual on how to process all of this but I think that when you actually dive deep and you are willing to feel it all then it's going to be one of those things and I think about even with my own family how there's so many family events that we go to where we can't talk about people that have passed because all of a sudden this person freaks out this person's now blowing up in the corner this person's now taking shots of whatever alcohol is available because they can't handle it that's when all of that stops and that's when you can sit together as a collective family and remember the person that you loved so much and talk about it with love in your heart versus that pain because it's not just raw like it happened yesterday and for so many of us who have never done the work to process the pain that's going to be the feeling that you have your whole entire life until you actually do the work to mend that wound and I think that that's where Jenny just really navigated this with excellence because listen I mean it's like the tears are still coming up but that for some of us it's because you loved it's because you cared it's because you invested deeply in a relationship with somebody you know and that's a natural human experience but it's it's coming from a healed place versus that unprocessed place where now we're reacting to our emotions or we're avoiding it all together and we're checking out from life like that's where we want to see you avoiding right we don't want you just completely isolating yourself and putting yourself into this place where you're not willing to see it because it's too painful. Absolutely. And you know, you just said something that really made me think about another part of my journey has been, you know, and again, this comes down to individual trauma responses, but for me going through this grief with my dad, it made my heart want to close down and like never love again. And I know that a lot of people deal with that. And that is, it is hard as terrifying to think about having to go through another loss like this eventually, right? I mean, everyone dies at some point. And so it's like, once you lose someone, there's this constant awareness that you're going to lose someone again, right? And so I really had to work on healing myself and like working through that fear. And it really does come down to like, we, we hurt because we loved. And it's like, would you rather trade all of the love and connection that you got from that person for just not having to go through this temporarily. And I mean, it's sort of temporarily. I mean, the grief is always there, but I'm talking about like the immediate heavy grief. Um, and the thing is, it's like, there's so much beauty and love available to us. And there's so much connection still available to us. And um, I think focusing on the beauty of that is so important so that we don't miss out on the, all of that. We don't close down our whole lives just because we don't want to go through this temporary pain. Right. Yeah. So good. And another client that I had worked with, she had lost her mom while she was in high school. And when we were coaching together, we were coaching through the grief that had come up because now she's in her mid thirties. She had never dealt with any of this. And the way that she thought about her mom's passing was as if a candle had just went out. And I was like, no, that candle is still burning inside of you. She gave you life that your mom is always going to be a part of you. And it was so eerie because we were in session and all of a sudden the candle just lit candle just lit can't make this stuff up. and she's like what just happened and we were doing this very powerful healing activation we had done a visualization we were you know calling in her mom's presence and then all of a sudden she opens her eyes and the candle's lit and I was like oh. see the candle never goes out unless you choose to see it that way you can always mm-hmm. choose to see that these people that you loved are always a part of you that they're watching over you as angels like you know religion aside faith aside whatever you believe aside mm-hmm. you can choose to believe that these people are still a part of your day-to-day existence I love my dad always you know brings in his parents to everything and he, especially now that I have a son. He's constantly saying like, are you seeing this mom and dad? Look at this baby. And I'm going to do the same thing with my parents because it's keeping that memory alive in my heart. And now I'm going to cry again every single day Yeah, because the candle doesn't go out unless we choose to see it that way. They were always that fire for, and our love for those people will always be burning inside of us. I don't ever want any of us to look at it as if the candle just goes out because then that's when their memory dies. That's when their memory doesn't get to live on. That's when the stories are too painful to share versus sharing the 
stories from a place of love and memory and, you know, honor of, of them coming on. You know, I had a client who just got married who had lost her mom. And the first question I asked her is, how are you integrating your mom into your ceremony? And she's like, dang it, Elise. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ask that question. And she, and she ended up doing a beautiful memorial for her mama. And it was absolutely incredible, you know, but this is the thing yeah. about coming at it from the angle of healing. Right. You know, I think a lot of that too comes from, and I've done a lot of thinking about death since my dad died. And it, I think a lot of it comes from our Western culture really has disconnected from death. Like we, we've almost become afraid of it and we, we don't understand it. Like it's this, it's almost like the fear of the unknown. Really. We have, we're just terrified of it because we're so disconnected from it and unaware of what it really is. And I think, again, no matter what religious beliefs you have or not, like, I think like most people believe that like you don't just poof into thin air after you die. Like it's really like, I almost wish we could just do away with the word death because that's really not what it is. It's just a transition. Like you're going from one dimension to another, right? One world to another and one form to another. And just because someone has left this earth doesn't mean that they're gone. It doesn't mean they don't exist anymore. And so with that, they carry all their love and, and memories and connection and everything. And so if that's the case, like I have the opportunity to connect with my dad anytime I want, yeah. like I have, he, he is watching and can see my life and I can honor him in the things that I do and the legacy that I carry on and the way that I live my life that he taught me to live it. And he will know. Absolutely. Right. I believe the same. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I have one final question for you because I think that this was a very beautiful thing to witness you going through as well. And I want to know when you, cause obviously you're a business owner as well. So how did you show up in business when you were grieving and how did dealing with this loss make you a more powerful coach? So, okay. Here's a big thing is there are times that I would give myself permission to just not show up. And I think yep. that's really important I think that in, I don't know, I almost feel like in this online culture of like business coaching, we've sort of gotten into this worship of like constant consistency and like always showing up every single day. And I think it's so important to acknowledge that like, it's okay to just walk away sometimes. And so I would very much like, if I just, if I used all of my tools and I could not motivate myself to work, then I would take that as my body telling me and my brain telling me like, you need to spend some time resting and grieving because grief really does physically and mentally drain you. And I mean, you're doing so much processing, trying to, you know, reconcile and, and, um, you know, get all this closure. And so it, it drains you. So there's a lot of time that I would just simply give myself permission to guilt-free walk away from work and for any length of time that I needed to. Right. Yeah. Um, and the, because the truth is at the end of the day, like my business is not going to fall apart if I just wasn't there for a week, if I didn't post on social media for a week, my business is not going to fall apart. I still have clients I'm serving. Right. Now to clarify for me, coaching my clients always recharges me. So that was the one thing that I was able to consistently do again, personal, this is all going to come down to personal needs. Right. Um, but that thing, that's the thing that charged me and I loved it. So I kept doing that, but there was times where I would just stop the marketing, right? I would stop the posting and the content creation on all of that for any given time. Um, at the same time, like if there were things that I did need to get done or I wanted to be productive, I would really work from rest. And this is, I'm, I'm forever grateful to you for teaching me this because I realized before, and again, this is another blessing that grief gave me. It's like, I didn't even realize that I was running my business and my life in a way that was going to burn me out. Like mm. I was just, going, 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 like almost working from a place of like franticness sometimes. Yeah. And I didn't even realize that I was doing it to myself. I knew I didn't feel good, but I didn't really know why or that I had a choice. It's like the unconscious and hustle. <laughs> exactly. It really yeah. is. Right. Cause we have this whole hustle culture going on. And so like you helped me to learn how to prioritize working from rest. And it's really amazing because when I, the more I do that, and when I started implementing that, it was like my productivity in the moments that I would work would just shoot through the roof because I would sit down before I even started working. And I would ask myself, okay, how are you feeling today? What do you need from me today? What do you need in general today? Like, do you need to rest? Do you have capacity to work? Do you need some validation or some comfort? Just whatever. Right. 
And so I would really plug in with myself and ask what, ask myself what I needed. And then I would, I would oftentimes before even starting work, I have a chaise lounge in my office and I would just lay down in it and just not fall asleep, but like, let my mind almost go into this like meditative state where I would just be open myself up to any ideas that I needed to get, or just kind of almost processing the work that I was about to do. And it's amazing how, when I would sit down to work, I was doing it from such a place of like rested inspiration that everything I would do was so much easier and it would flow so much more. Yes. Right. And I just practice with me now into my, uh, into my work now, like even when I'm not going through a grief spell or grief storm, like I will always work from rest because I'll notice when I don't, like I will fight the work. Like my body and my brain will be like, no, you're tired. You're drained. You're not plugged in. You're not, you, you have unprocessed things and it won't let me get anything done. It's just like, I'll shut down. Yeah. Oh, right? so good. It's that's another thing too. I want everyone to really hear is you don't have to work yourself into the ground. Like always showing up rested and not oper not leaning into the society induced conditioning that we have of having to you know grind through it and just push through and show up no matter what, even if you're feeling terrible. Like that's never going to produce the results that you want in your life and business. So let's just stop the unconscious hustle, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a thought that I want to share that I've been practicing ever since in terms of when I did need to step away from my work for a little bit. And it's the thought, however I show up is enough. Ooh. Wow. Right. Because that's the truth. Like it, it really comes down within, within your business. Like your energy is paramount, right? Your energy matters way more than your actions and like the, the posts you're putting out there and the selling that you're doing. Right. And so if I, if I don't believe that, then my energy is going to stink. And it's, that's actually going to cause the result of me not showing up being the problem. Right. But if I believe that, however I show up is enough, then when I show up, it is going to be enough. And then when I'm away, my energy will sustain like that level of belief and just, um, magnetism to me to where I'm able to still manifest growth in my business. And right when I'm not there, when I'm not posting. Oh, my friend, so much value just came in this chat. And I want everybody to understand that there's no timeline with the healing process, that you're safe to feel the hard stuff. You are safe to grieve ahead of time. You are safe to not hustle your way through the experience. And I want you to use Jenny's experience to show you that on the other side of doing this work, that the life that you want is possible, that you get to intentionally design that. Yeah. So you can intentionally design that. And I know you have one more point. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I forgot to answer how did dealing with loss and grief make me a more powerful coach. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think it's pretty obvious from this conversation, but it gave me, first of all, an awareness of what grief is like that I was never able to understand before. I, I There was no way before I went through grief. I look at, I look at pre-grief me and I'm like, that girl could not hold space for anyone's yep. grief. Like I had no clue what people yep. were dealing with. And now it's like, not only can I hold space for it, but I, number one, I know how to work people through the trauma that creates that unbearable level of grief. Mm. Like I I'm able to pin because I've done it on myself. I'm able to pinpoint the specific like thoughts and thought errors and trauma that's coming up for people that are causing that grief to be crippling, right? Uh, the grief, when grief is trauma infused, it will be crippling. And when it's just grief, it'll be still awful, but like manageable. Right. right. And so I, I really learned how to do that. Like I'm able to see grief too, not just as a death, but also like I had a client whose kids moved away and she was an empty nester for the first time. And that was grief. Right. Yeah. Um, and like, just like life changes, like different things that pull up grief as well. And I'm able to help people to heal and work through those things and shift the way that they're seeing and showing up in those scenarios in ways that it doesn't stop them from being able to make progress in their life and their goals and also helps them to be healthier and, you know, happier, less anxious, less depressed, all those things. Right. So good. Um, yeah. Love it. Oh, my friends. I love you so much. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> Thank you for putting your courage hat on today and being brave and sharing the story because what we wanted to do with this conversation is help you through those moments of extreme sorrow because that's really what grief is and give you the power to take control over what your healing journey looks like. So please reach out to Jenny or I. We are here to support you. Where can people find you on social media? So on Instagram, it's um, handled 
Jenny A. Dalby. It's D-A-L-B-Y. Um, TikTok, same thing. And Facebook, same thing. Amazing. I will link all of your stuff in the show notes too. So that way people can find you. Thank you so much for bringing this beautiful week of healing to a close. I am so honored and grateful for you sharing your time and your wisdom and your experience and your pain with us, because I truly believe our pain is power and you are such a living testament to how that is true. So thank you, friends. Thank you. Oh, hey. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If this helps you, I would love for you to share the gift of confidence with a friend because this is how we all grow. So share this with your girls, a coworker, a fellow mama, or your fam on social media because we all need support in our confidence journey. So sharing can help us heal, feel better, and take steps to grow now. Also, I'd love if you would drop your rating in. Ratings and reviews help me so much more than you realize. And if you found yourself listening today and thinking, I need professional support, I would love to invite you to join the CAN program where I will teach you how to take confident action now. If increased confidence is what you want, this is multiple months of dedicated you time where we will do the deep work on you to create your most confident self, both personally and professionally. Because once you know how to generate the feeling of confidence from the inside out, the possibilities become endless and your results become inevitable. This is the most valuable investment you will ever making yourself. And I cannot wait to see who you become on the other side of doing this work on you. So visit me at soulmakeup.com to learn more or come be my bestie on Instagram. You can find me at your soul makeup. See you next time.